0: Well, good morning. Uh, this week I've been thinking about a series of mind-blowing facts. Things like this. Vending machines kill four times more people each year than sharks do. <laughs> each of the main characters in SpongeBob SquarePants was inspired by one of the seven deadly sins. I mean, pew, some of you just... I'm not going to explain it. You'll have to look it up later. Barry Manilow did not write his hit, I Write the Songs. I know for an entire generation, I've just popped your bubble, but um, he did write, I am stuck on Band-Aids because Band-Aids are stuck on me. That was Barry Manilow, but not, I Write the Songs. (laughs) Peep's lip balm is something that exists. Is that not mind-blowing? The higher IQ a person has, the more forgetful they will be. Okay. If this works in reverse, I am a genius, okay. <laughs> certifiable, becoming smarter every year, I think. And this is just the wonder of the English language. A group of flamingos is called a flamboyance. A group of pugs, the little ugly dogs, is called a grumble. A group of kittens is called a Kindle, a group of hedgehogs is called a Prickle, and a group of bunnies is called a Fluffle. (laughs) Now, is this not mind-blowing stuff? As you might anticipate, we're going to ratchet up and go one better. We can do better than this for mind-blowing facts uh, in the church of, of Christ. Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. The Spirit of God dwells in you. He dwells in every authentic believer. He's within you. Okay. This is mind-blowing stuff. I can't get my mind around this. Um, so much so that the language of Scripture, it's not enough to say he's near you or he's with you or he's for you, but it says he is your relationship with God is so intimate that he is within you, within every Christian. So much so that your body is described in 1 Corinthians 6:19 this way. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you okay this is mind blowing what does this mean how could this be And It's not purely an individual thing, although Paul's thinking individually here about our bodies, physical bodies, uh, where the Spirit is within me and He's within you and our bodies, our physical bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple language is also applied to us corporately. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that you is corporate there? It's y'all. It's all of us are God's temple, and that the God's Spirit dwells in y'all. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and y'all are that temple. Okay. So our bodies are the temple, and we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is a huge, huge deal in Corinth, The letter Paul's writing here will be mostly in 1 Corinthians 12 today if you want to open your Bibles there. Um, In Corinth, there were lots, as I understand it, lots of temples to lots of gods on almost every street corner kind of thing. Um, What you may not know is that in Wake Forest, this is a picture of a Buddhist temple that's in Wake Forest. And if you drive through Cary, this is a picture of a Hindu temple that's in Kerry. But if you wanted to find the temple that's made to the Christian God, if you wanted to know where you could meet and encounter the Christian God, where's our temple? It's right here. Okay? Not this room. It's us. We are the temple. So if you want to meet the Christian God, if you want to know what the Christian God is like, if you want to have an encounter with the Christian God, then watch us when we gather for worship. Watch the way we love one another, the way we forgive one another, the way we care for one another when we have need, the way we share with one another when we have plenty. Watch how we rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those who suffer. If you want to know where the Christian God is in our city, you look right here. That's what Paul is saying. Look right here. This is the temple of the Spirit of God. In our bodies, in this body, the Spirit indwells us such that we are His temple and Christ is exalted. That's the purpose of the Spirit indwelling us, is that Christ would be exalted. In 1 Corinthians 12, the third verse, Paul says, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Um, This is not... Uh, some kind of magical phrase, but as a life-ordering confession to say Jesus is Lord is the work of the Spirit. It's only by the Spirit that we can be rescued from life apart from God and brought into relationship with Christ such that we believe and see that He is Lord. The Spirit rescues us and enables us to exalt Jesus as Lord. He indwells us. Mind blowing stuff. If there's a verse about the Spirit that's right up against this teaching of the indwelling of the Spirit in terms of its mind blowingness, um, it's one found in 1 Corinthians 12, and it follows this little cluster of verses. Let me start with these. Paul writes There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all. In everyone. And when Paul here refers to the same Spirit, same Lord, same God in these verses, he's talking about it's a veiled reference to what we'd been studying before this teaching on the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Trinity the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and God the Father. The three of them in diversity work together in the Trinity as one God, three unique persons. One God. And the church reflects that diversity given by the members of the Trinity. And it's that diversity that makes us one, as we'll see. The diversity that fuels the unity of the body of Christ reflects God Himself. This is how the Spirit manifests Himself in the church, in a unity that's fueled by a diversity of giftings. Now, this leads up to this absolutely mind-blowing little verse and we'll spend the rest of our time looking at the ramifications of this as it spills out in the rest of the chapter here it is verse 7 to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good okay? to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good and i'm going to break that into three parts and i've underlined the first one for you to each is given the intent of the Spirit is to make himself known, reveal himself, manifest himself through every member of the church, every member of the body of Christ. Each one is given. There is not one believer in this room that this teaching is not true about. The Spirit desires to throw show himself through you. Through you, you are not the exception. You, the Spirit indwells you, and He wants to manifest Himself through each of you, uniquely. Okay. Even you. Okay. Mind-blowing stuff. You, not the person next to you, but you. And this leads to remarkable diversity in the church. We're not the same. Okay. It says, um, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom So one person gets this gift, another gets that, and yet another gets this, and another gets that. There's a list of nine different things here. But this is not the only listing of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. There's a a number of others, and if you add them up, they don't match. There's over 20, and there's no discernible order or pattern to them. And the point seems to be radical diversity and total inclusiveness Everybody gets a gift. No two are alike. These are more like categories that our gifts would, would play out in. That's why, as near as I can tell, my, my best gift to serve the church is teaching. And I exercise it mainly here. My wife's best gift to serve the church is teaching. She exercises it with second grade. Okay? Very different. Same, same bucket of, of, of gifts. Um, Radical diversity, total inclusiveness. And and I realize when I say that you have a spiritual gift and it's very unique to... The Spirit's going to manifest Himself uniquely through you that raises a lot of questions. And one of them uh, is, are are these all the gifts that I have to choose from? Probably not. Okay, Probably not. Uh, There are other ways the Spirit manifests Himself to build up the body. Uh, For instance, people gifted in music people gifted in prayer, so we could imagine other other ways. So probably these are not intended to be an exhaustive list since none of them are exhaustive in and of themselves. Um, Another question that comes up, are, are all these gifts still available? And the position of our church is evidently and most likely, and that's been the teaching of our church in the past, we welcome any biblical manifestation of the Spirit of God that builds up the church. And likely it would be including these things that we read here. Um, And I realize there's a lot of questions that come up around all that. And if you want to learn more about that, I'm not going to answer those questions this morning. But back in 2011, we taught through this book of 1 Corinthians. There's a whole series of messages in 1 Corinthians 12 through 13 in August and September, I think, of 2011. They're on our website. If you want to learn more about spiritual gifts and how they work in the church... You could go there and get a much better, fuller teaching than I'm going to be able to do this morning. How do you find your gift? Well, to bottom line it, uh, John Piper gives us really good advice. I'll share it with you. He says, I really believe that the problem of not knowing our spiritual gifts is not a basic problem. More basic is the problem of not desiring very much to strengthen other people's faith. Human nature is more prone to tear down than it is to build up. The path of least resistance leads to grumbling and criticism and gossip, and many there be that follow that path. But the gate is narrow, and the way is strewn with obstacles that leads to building up and strengthening of faith. So the basic problem is becoming the kind of person who wakes up in the morning, thanks God for our great salvation, and then says, Lord, oh, how I want to strengthen people's faith today. Grant that at the end of this day, somebody will be more confident of your promises, more joyful in your grace, because I crossed his or her path. He says, the reason I say becoming this kind of person is more basic than finding out your spiritual gift is that when you become, become this kind of person, the Holy Spirit will not let your longings go to waste. He will help you find ways to strengthen the faith of others, and that will be the discovery of your gifts. He says, so let's apply ourselves to becoming the kind of people more and more who long to strengthen each other's faith. We must not get hung up on naming our gifts. The thing to get hung up on is, are we doing what we can to strengthen the faith of the people around us? I think, he's, I think that's really good advice. You best discover what your gift is, how the Spirit wants to use you, by actively serving the church. Then when people affirm you, and oftentimes you can just sense God's pleasure in the service, then you're in a realm where the Spirit is really desiring to use you. Now, having said that, once you've identified your gift, the temptation will be to use that identification to excuse you from service. So somebody comes up to you and says, hey, we need help with our children's ministry. You're like, don't do children, not my gift. Okay? Okay. Let, let Stephanie Jackson affirm that prompting that you have that it's not your gift. But when the church has a need, we serve, whether it's really our gift, gift or not. If the church has a need, we, we serve the church. We serve the people we love and care about in this church family. Um, you know, uh, Dave Hewlett manages all our facility stuff, and Dave, every week, he cleans our commodes. You think Dave has the gift of commode cleaning? I don't, I don't think he does. But it's a need, and Dave serves. Uh, you've heard me talk before that the office kitchen is right outside my office, and I clean the office kitchen regularly. You think I have my best gift is is cleaning the office kitchen? Um, probably not. Probably not my best gift. Um, but as my as my daughter has taught me from her time at Chick Fil A, it is my pleasure to clean the church office. It is my privilege. It is my sanctification. It's the thing that makes me like Jesus because I serve like Jesus. You think Jesus had the gift of foot washing? Um, it's not an excuse not to serve. And so let me do a little infomercial for you to think about in this, in this realm. Um, these classes of our children with this next six-month rotation do not have teachers. Okay? Two of those are in the nine o'clock hour and need to be filled by y'all. Will you serve the church in her time of need? Otherwise, these kids don't have classes. Their families don't have a place to leave them, so the, it, it just is, is complicated. Um, but mostly, these kids need people who will mentor them and invest in them, even at this young age. And if you've had kids in our church, you know that having a mentor uh, in the church matters more than just about anything for your kids. It's huge. It's huge but the spirit has gifted each one so here's what paul's saying everybody matters every last one of you matter in the life and health of god's church paul develops this a lot further as the chapter unfolds in verse 15 he says and he's likening the church to a body if the foot should say because i am not a hand i do not belong to the body That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And he's saying that this is absurd. This would be absurd Um, for a part of the body to defect out of inferiority or envy or the like, for your foot to walk out in discouraged protest, for your ears to cease listening to the counsel that they really needed. So Paul here, he's crossing off envy and inferiority and competition and comparison by this absurd picture. It simply can't happen in the church. We can't let it happen in the church. You, just like my foot and my ear, you matter to the body. The Spirit longs to manifest Himself through each of you. You were made and gifted to serve the church. You cannot just bow out of it or the church suffers. You are a spirit-designed part of the health and beauty of this church family. If this is your home church, then this is true for you. This is God's truth for you. Paul continues and says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear... Where would be the sense of smell? Every member matters. Each one makes a needful contribution. The church becomes increasingly dysfunctional as people just sit things out and don't do what the Spirit has equipped them to do. Or worse, they pull back from the church entirely. About 10 years ago, uh, the Barner Research Group said that there are about 10 million self-proclaimed born-again Christians in the United States who hadn't been to church in six months, if you don't count Christmas or Easter. 10 million. He says that nearly all born-agains say their spiritual life is very important, but for 10 million of them, spiritual life has nothing to do with the church. And that is radically at odds with God's design, Paul is saying. You were rescued by the Spirit and placed in the body so that the Spirit can manifest Himself uniquely through you. If you want to get out of the will of God, just drop out of active, meaningful relationships in the church, okay. and you're there. Tim Stafford warns us, he says, the Bible simply does not know of the existence of an individual isolated Christian. Paul says, continues on, he says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, in the church, each one of them, every, every last one, as He chose. See, the diversity of the body is by the Spirit's own design. Your conversion, your inclusion in it, It's the work of the Spirit. Your place in it, your giftedness, it's by His loving design and choice. Whether you teach or help or heal or administrate or whatever you do, you're placed in this church by His design, the good design of the Spirit. And if not, Paul goes on to say, the church would be a monstrosity. He says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, just one body. So, if we don't embrace God's design for us, the church can become just kind of a, a monstrosity, really, a giant eye or ear or elbow, or if it's North Wake, it would probably be a giant mouth, a megaphone. <laughs> and, I, and I say that because, you know, we're a stone's throw from a school that manufactures preachers. So, guess what? Throw a rock, hit a preacher boy at North Wake. They're everywhere, <laughs> right? Okay. And so this is what this means, if your gift is helping or administrating or serving or praying or whatever the shape of your gift is, and it's not about being up front teaching, then you matter maybe more here than anywhere else, okay? You are so needed here, your gifts are of the utmost value, Not that teaching gifts don't matter, but that the others are needed so, so much alongside them to make us a normal body, the church. There are no useless members. There's an African proverb that illustrates this well. It says, if you think you are too small to make a difference, try spending the night in a closed room with a mosquito. (laughs) You can think about that on your way home. Mind blowing stuff, right? Uh, You matter. You matter. Not just the person next to you or the people that stand up here or the people that lead stuff. You matter. By God's design through the gifting of His Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So you're not just given a gift. When we talk about a spiritual gift, actually that's kind of like code for the way the Spirit makes Himself known and works through you, the manifestation of the Spirit. It's not some thing that the Spirit gives to you and says, have a nice day, but it's the way the Spirit works through you. The Spirit desires to man himself, manifest Himself uniquely through every single member of the church here at North Wake. He wants to manifest himself through you, you, okay? Yet this work of the Spirit, all work of the Spirit, it seems, can be resisted. There's that language, it shows up in terrifying ways. Um, Here's one in the book of Acts. Stephen's preaching and he says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Evidently, a whole bunch of people were resisting the Holy Spirit. A whole bunch of really religious people were resisting the Holy Spirit by rejecting what He has revealed, by ignoring what He has said, by being disobedient to His instructions, by refusing to use the gift that He's given you. It's interesting, Um, the Harvard Business Review estimates um, that the typical American home has an average of $300 in unused or unredeemed gift cards laying around at any point in time. $300 in gift cards. These gift cards are often misplaced, accidentally thrown out, or only partially redeemed. Between 2005 and 2011, $41 billion in gift cards went unredeemed. Forty-one billion dollars in gifts unredeemed. If we could put a dollar value on the amount of spiritual gifts in the church laying around unredeemed, I fear it would far exceed that. Do you have a gift? The answer is yes. Is it laying around unredeemed? exercised, undisciplined, untrained, undeveloped. The very Spirit of God desires to manifest Himself through you for the good of the folks sitting in this room. It's true. And it's a paradigm shift for some of you. It's not a show anymore. It's more like a family. It's like a body, Paul says. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay. It's not just for your good. The gift is not just for you. The gift is for the people sitting around you. That's why the Spirit manifests Himself through you, for the common good, for the good of us all. Um, if you make this all about you and how you want to use your gift so you can Shine or be important or special, you're missing the point. It is through you, yes, but not ultimately for you. It's ultimately for the common good. Um. If you're a sports fan, you're familiar with Alex Rodriguez. His name is—it's uh, nickname is A-Rod, and he was at one point um, the highest paid athlete in all of sports. Okay? Um. He was guaranteed a place in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, He had more money than he could probably spend in 10 lifetimes. Um, He was absolutely incredible until he got involved in taking anabolic steroids and then had a significant fall from from grace. And according to New York Times columnist David Brooks, um, he says, as he writes about how this could happen to someone, he says, "...self-preoccupied people have trouble seeing that their talents come from outside themselves." And can only be developed when directed towards something else outside themselves. Enclosed in self, they come to believe that their talents come from self and are for themselves. Locked in a cycle of insecurity and self-validation, their talents are never enough and they end up devouring what they have been given. And that could be true of, of you if you're not careful, if your gift is not used for the common good. See, your gift, it's really not about you. Okay? It's mind-blowing for some of us. Um, our gifts, the very manifestation of the Spirit of God within us is for the common good, not just for us. So, the ministry of the Spirit, the gifting of the Spirit makes no sense if you aren't meaningfully engaged in relationships in the local church. It makes no sense whatsoever because God has given it to you for the common good. Paul goes on, says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the feet to the head, I have no need of you. So there's no place for inferiority or discouragement. Now he says there's no place for superiority or pride in the church so that the Introverted pastor cannot say to the extroverted greeter, I have no need of you. Or the the talented worship team cannot say to the guys in the sound booth, we have no need of you. You can see where that would get us, right? And no one in the church ever on any situation can say to the children's worker, we have no need of you, okay? We need our children's workers here at Northway. Paul goes on and says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That's you. Indispensable to the beauty and health of our church. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts or more presentable parts do not require. So when he talks about weaker members, some say he's talking about. Our innards, our organs inside of us, they're essential. They're indispensable. And so we protect them and honor them. We cannot survive without them. When he talks about less honorable or unpresentable parts, some have said that he has our private parts in view. And as a result, we go to great lengths to cover them up with modest attire, or at least we should. He says the church is arranged just like that. Special honor to the parts that lack it. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to those parts that lacked it. This is God's doing, His design. He's arranged the body. He has you just where He wants you. He's designed you according to His plan, His wisdom, His choosing. And we honor those less presentable parts, the covert servants in the church, I think it it flows out of these kind of statements that Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest among you shall be your servant. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So God intends to give special honor to those who lack it in the church. And we ought to do that too. So you ought to thank your kids' teachers who've put up with them all morning. You ought to hug them and thank them and take them to lunch or something, the guy who cleans up your coffee spill, the feed team, um, the, the means by which communion elements magically appear in the worship center when we, when we have communion, who does that? Somebody does that. You ought to find them and thank them and honor them because God has designed that behind-the-scenes servants serving well should be given special honor. God has so composed the body, God has, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So our honoring these secret servants protects the, the unity of the body. It protects us from elitism and discrimination and favoritism and even apathy that will divide us. Because if that happens, then we have failed in our mission. Because the world is watching. Um, How is it that Jesus said it? By this all people will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. That's how they tell. Lifeway Resources did a fascinating survey about, um, let's see, how did they say it? They were the five major complaints uh, found among the unchurched about Christians. Two of the five were these. It really ticks off unchurched people when Christians treat other Christians poorly. They see that as hypocrisy. And when Christians say that they believe, but they don't meaningfully engage the church, they think that's hypocrisy too. The unchurched, these are two of their top five gripes against Christians. See, if we do not care for one another, we have failed in one of the things that Jesus says matters most in life, loving our neighbors as ourselves. So the Spirit has designed the body to protect against division and promote mutual love and care for one another. See, my gift for you, your gift for me. That's how the church works. We're for each other. We serve by the Spirit one another. And it gets to such an extent, Paul says, that if one person, just one member suffers, we all suffer together. And if one member is honored, we all join the party, okay? Um, This describes the way the church is built, but it also prescribes the way we must build the church here. We must be building relationships with each other such that when... when you suffer, someone is close enough, you've, you've gotten involved enough, somebody knows, and they enter into your suffering with you, your hardship. And when you, when you celebrate, somebody comes to the party because they know you that well. They want to be part. When was the last time you high-fived somebody in this room and gave them a hug because of something great that had happened in their world? When was the last time you wept with somebody and bowed in prayer because of the suffering they were facing. Someone in this room. See, this is God's design for us. If you have isolated yourselves from meaning relationships in your church family, you are out of God's will for your life. Okay? It's just that important. That's how He has designed us. Okay? Mind-blowing fact. Okay. Here it is. The Spirit of God indwells you and is desirous to manifest Himself through you to exalt Jesus as Lord in your life and in the church, and He has gifted you uniquely to serve and bless the church. That's that's a game changer. I I ran across a video that I think... I, I think it just really captures the church. It's about a city... Um, the city of Catura, Paraguay, and the city is actually built on a slum um, that's, a, that's a landfill. More than 1,500 tons of trash get dumped onto the landfill every day, and about 1,000 residents make their living by picking through the garbage and recycling what they find there. 1,000 people live in this city of Catura on the landfill, in the dump. There's a young professional musician named Fabio Chavez. He saw the poverty there, and he thought one of the things that he might could do for the children to restore some dignity to their lives was to teach them music. So he started a little music school there in the landfill, the city on the landfill. And he was somehow given five violins, and and he had 50 students sign up. So he needed to do something. Watch, this this is what he did. yo he visitado que menos lo usan un buen día me So I show you that video because it reminds, it reminds me of us, okay? That's our story. The Spirit rescued us from the trash and gifted us. And together, together, we exalt Christ beautifully, together, okay? That's, our, that's who we are. And God has uniquely gifted every one of us to strengthen the church and exalt Christ, right? Mind-blowing stuff. What are you going to do with that? What if it's true about you? What are you going to do with that? Are you willing to let the Spirit use you for the good of your church family, the folks right here in this room? Are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to put your yes on the table and just say, God, whatever gifts you've given, I will use. I will use. Maybe you've been holding back or holding on to something that's been holding you back. Or maybe you've been badly wronged or hurt by the church. Even this church, you've been overlooked or maligned or talked about or misunderstood. Some of you have been betrayed by the church. Some of you are in school and you're planning to serve God when you get out of school. I've got news for some of you. Some of you never get out of school. Okay? You just It's your lot in life. So if you're waiting, you'll never serve the church with your gifts. So today what I want to invite you to do is just to come and, and say, Yes, Spirit, I'll use the gifts you've given me to bless the people in this room, however you ask of me. Yes, that's why you rescued me. That's why you gifted me. Yes, I'll do that. So if you'll stand with me, let's say yes to Christ. Worship him in song as the worship team leads us.